0: Let's go inside a forensics investigation. Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today with Rob Lee. He's Curriculum Head and Author for Digital Forensic and Incident Response Training with the SANS Institute. Rob, thanks so much for joining me again today. Thanks, Tom. Great to be here. Rob, we've talked about forensics a number of times in the past. What do you find to be the types of forensics cases that you're typically seeing these days?
1: Well, that's a great question. I'm typically involved in a lot of uh, information security data breach style cases where there's some sort of intellectual property that is in stolen. There's a lot of different forensic cases that are out there, but you know that's the kind of that I'm personally seeing where some people might be doing intellectual property theft, insider threat type things, but there seems to be a, a huge need right now, especially on the, uh, the data breach investigation side.
0: Let's talk about the skills. What do you find for, to be the forensic skills that most commonly get called upon to use in these cases that you're involved in?
1: One of the key skills that I found that is particularly useful for investigators is not only to understand the firm knowledge in digital forensics and as it applies to the operating system, but have a firm knowledge of what adversaries are potentially capable of accomplishing within your enterprise environments. How do they breach a the system? How do they gain domain admin? Where do they go? How do they move from system to system? And finally, how do they collect the information from your organization in order to exfiltrate it from your network? Knowing key hacking skills tells you pretty much what to look for on the network. In the same vein, though, having a really firm understanding of how domain environments work, where enterprise environments are laid out in your organization, also ends up being very helpful. I've uh, spent many hours over the past year, really trying to educate myself on typical things that probably a, a domain system administrator probably finds uh, easy work, but for me it's all brand new.
0: Rob, I hope we can walk through what would be a typical case here. So you talk about getting typically data breach investigations. At what point does this breach case end up in your lab and what's the typical situation?
1: A typical situation that, you know, I might find myself into for clients that I'm currently working with is that they find a system that they have been informed by a third party, usually law enforcement, FBI, that uh, they've had a data breach. And they're looking at one of the systems that was told to them by law enforcement that says this system potentially has been breached. And they're trying to figure out, has it been breached? Is there malware on the system? And what, how can we use that information in order to be able to identify additional systems that are breached within our environment? So basically it comes down to, I have a system that's, possibly has evil on it how do i potentially find that evil malware in order to be able to uncover the the next part of the case which is was well, this in the first system involved in the breach or is this system uh, laterally moved to from another uh, box within your environment or was this system uh, the last top stop meaning that this is where they exfiltrated all their data from from your network
0: well, let's talk about your evaluation rob what are you looking for
1: well, typically, I'm looking for signs of the intruder on the system. Um, typically, it starts in, in a process that I call malware funneling, and stepping through the idea that malware has to follow a core rule set, which is malware can hide, but it must run. It, it goes against the grain that uh, most people think that you know it's very easy to hide on a system, but if malware is actually active, it's it's usually fairly easy to identify pretty quickly. The hard cases, though, are the ones where there's actually no active malware sitting on. The system in that those situations either a that maybe data was collected from the system or b maybe was infiltrated by a adversary at one point, but they have uninstalled their malware. So that it actually becomes a little bit more difficult if it's actually not an active malware situation. So the process I use it ends up of taking a system, trying to eliminate everything that is known and trying to really key in on things that end up being fairly particular to an adversary's footprint whether it, if it's on the active side for active malware or going down into the weeds uh, looking for configuration files, bad scripts, at jobs, and other log files that would indicate that an adversary's presence had existed on the machine at an earlier point in time.
0: Now, Rob, what would the common tools be that you use in this process?
1: The two things that I uh, end up using more often than not are uh, memory analysis uh, toolkits, uh, such as the Volatility Toolkit or Redline from Mandiant. Most of those tools end up being fairly good even for a novice investigator to be able to wrap their heads around to be able to step through uh, what's going on on the active system. This will help you identify if, the, if there's active malware that's currently running. On the system level, I'm using uh, capabilities called timeline analysis, which is um, more of an overarching capability in the physics community that it pulls all of your artifacts together in a single temporal um, uh, output that you're able to go around the time that you think is around the time of the breach, for example, or a time of specific activity, and see if you could identify the uh, adversary's footprints through the timeline. So between those two uh, activities, it actually ends up capturing almost 80% of the uh, type of analysis that I'll need to accomplish.
0: Rob, you've talked about common cases, about common tools. What are the typical findings that you're ending up with in one of these investigations?
1: Well, the typical findings are usually never good. Uh, it's, <laughs> they usually they think that they will be a little bit brighter, but usually what it finds is that the system is usually the tip of the iceberg, that it's almost a harbinger of the, the doom that's already impended within their network. Um, the findings that we're find, uh, currently uh, uncovering is that the adversaries have been in most of the networks for months, in some cases years, prior to uh, this level of investigation being accomplished. So with unfettered access for that amount of time, there's many instances that it's undetermined amount of data that they've been able to exfiltrate from your organization. So uh, that's probably my most typical finding, is that even though it feels like this is brand new, it's not brand new to the, uh, the bad guys who are currently doing this against your network. On the opposite side of the, of the fence, we're also finding that the adversaries are really uh, almost brazen in their types of things that they're doing within your network, that they're using common malware types, such as poison ivy, Uh, Moving system to system and even using remote desktop protocol to be able to examine the system like you would in order to find the data that they're searching for. So as a result of that, with all the information security capabilities within our organizations, you know, FISMA compliance, PCI, and more, at this point has not even uh, caused a slight dent in the adversary's activities in order to thwart them or even slow them down a little bit from being able to achieve their goals.
0: So, Rob, typically you've got to present these findings to organizations, individuals who might not be as technologically savvy as yourself. How do you present the findings?
1: Well, it really depends on who the audience is and who you're working with. In many cases, I'm actually working with the uh, the technical incident response team of an organization. I'm brought in as, as a surge individual trying to augment or uh, have additional expertise on the ground. So I actually might be communicating to them and they in turn communicate to their executives in the instances where I end up having to uh, present back to the executives, typically the way I'm trying to present my findings is, well, what's the root cause? Could it have been prevented? What's the damage assessment? How do we stop it? And uh, really trying to get to the, to the weeds is, you know, are there any significant impacts to the intrusion? Trying to answer those core questions and also being comfortable with saying, I don't know, ends up being very key to doing its response today. Um, You're under a lot of pressure if you're being asked those key questions from the executives. And if you can't answer one of them, it's best not to guess ever. Always just sit there and saying it's still being investigated uh, at this point. This is all we know. And really stick to the facts. A lot of uh, those who are new to this might jump the gun and uh, make a bad assessment, and that could end up causing problems down the line.
0: Based on the cases that you've come across, Rob, what would you say are the attack trends that most concern you today?
1: Well, it's it's not the attack trends that, you know, as we're moving forward. It's, it's the stuff that still works that concerns me. If you take a look in an adversary's campaign from initial spearfish to gaining domain admins within your enterprise network to moving inside the network and finally collecting data to exfiltrate, every single one of those steps is, uh, you know, even though we're learning more about what our the capabilities of the hackers and adversaries are, uh, we have not done a decent job of being able to truly implement solutions that will slow them down, retard their access, and even stop the initial in- infiltration. As a result, one of the key questions that I'm usually asked is, how do we stop this? You know, you know what can we do to potentially prevent this in the future? And my answer to that question is now, instead of trying to stop an intrusion at the onset of it, you know where the beachhead, where the spearfish attack or you know uh, came in, try to move later down in the uh, uh, adversaries' campaign, which would be near where they're exfiltrating the data. That ends up being a much louder and significant event on a host and a network and much easier to detect as a result. First, stop ex- uh, the exfiltration of data. Then stop the lateral movement of the adversaries. Then stop the data collection. Then try to limit the uh, capabilities for them to be able to prevent domain, uh, control your domain admin is that you basically start start at the finish and move back to the beginning because the hardest one in the chain is actually preventing spearfish emails that come in. So the trends that I'm seeing actually right now are trying to formulate an effective response to these tactics that are basically overwhelming us at this point without any significant strategic response from the information security community.
0: What would you say are some of the lessons that organizations can learn from the attacks that they have suffered and that you've investigated?
1: The, we need to shift the mindset from uh, a what I call the match-in-the-line uh, defense mechanism, that if you build a big enough wall, no one can get in. The perimeter is more porous than most people realize, and we need to shift our, our perception from uh, you know, uh, perimeter-based defense into detection as a whole. And that it wraps our mind around this new concept that you see all the time in the news uh, as a buzzword called big data security is that we should be able to have a core horizon view within our enterprise networks as to anything that's going on at any certain time. The problem with that right now is it's almost too much data, and we don't have anyone manning the scopes to be able to help us out and identify and detect these intrusions. But as we're moving forward, we're starting to see some solutions creep forward that'll give us that visualization, give us the capabilities to identify these anomalies as they're ongoing. So the focus, in the in my mind right now, the lesson that's going to be learned is that keep the perimeter defense up. That's great. Have that in play. But you now need to focus internally of the uh, detection element of these intrusions in the first place. So it's not law enforcement that's calling you. is that you're able to self-detect them as they're ongoing.
0: And how about for forensics investigators? What would you say are the key skills that they need to master today?
1: And my, especially in enterprise intrusions, is the ability to analyze tens of thousands of systems instead of analyzing a single system. Forensics has typically been you pull a hard drive, analyze a single hard drive. That's not scalable. You need capabilities that are scalable in your environment. It's okay to analyze a single system like I was doing to identify a single piece of malware. But once you identify the single piece of malware, you need to use that malware and develop a new technology called security intelligence to be able to, which basically says, if the malware exists on any system in your network, what would it look like? And there'd be some key things that you'd identify system to system. Then you forensicate and scan the rest of those systems on your network looking for those uh, footprints. But that has to be a scalable architecture to allow you to do so. So you have one uh, forensic analyst able to scan and forensicate against tens of thousands of hosts across a week. That is going to be extremely valuable as organizations are looking for both solutions for both the personnel and enterprise the appliance solution mindset. That you have to have both of those capabilities in place. That someone who is understanding of the fact that you have to be able to scale your forensics investigations and have capabilities already built into your organization's enterprise. To allow that individual the access they need in order to
0: get the job done rob as always i appreciate your time and your insight today thank you very much thank well, you we've been talking about digital forensics i've been talking with rob lee curriculum head of digital forensics and incident response training at sans institute for information security media group i'm tom field thank you very much